Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, the sixth chapter, beginning in the 25th verse. Let's give careful attention to the reading of God's Word as it's found in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on Him God the Father has placed His seal of approval. Then they asked Him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one He has sent. So they asked Him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, Always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me. And you still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. At this, uh, the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from Him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But there is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread 
that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father... So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word to each of our hearts this morning. Let us pray. Father, we bless you for all of your good gifts to us. We bless you for the gift of your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would sweeten this word in our hearts and in our lives, that we might grow in our faith and in our ability to feed on Christ day by day, that we might more enjoy the calling you have given to us than we might honor you more along the path of life. And we pray in the name of the Lord Jesus, your Son and our Savior, who reigns forever with you and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Be seated, please. Well, last uh, Sunday, we looked at a sermon on I am and what it means in the Old Testament when God reveals himself as I am and what it means when Jesus claims to be I am. And that was background for a series of sermons on the seven places in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am. And when we hear Jesus say, I am, we have to have that echo of his claim to be the God of the Old Testament. And uh, when he says, I am, it's then followed by a metaphor, one metaphor or another. I am the bread, I am the light, I am the gate, I am the shepherd, I am the resurrection, I am the way, I am the vine. And uh, this week we are looking, uh, in combination with our celebration of the Lord's Supper, at that first I am statement, I am the bread. Now actually, this text uh, invites us into a series. Uh, Longer text than we usually read. But we need the whole text, and of course, the longer the text, the less the detail. And so this has to be, by definition, kind of a big picture of what Jesus is getting at, because um, you don't have time. So we just want to focus on two things, because in this text, Jesus doesn't just say, I am the bread. He qualifies that two different ways, and we want to look at both of them. He says, I am the bread of life. What does he mean by that? He says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. 
What does he mean by that? And obviously these two things are connected. So first of all, Jesus says a couple of times in the text that we read, I am the bread of life. Now that little word of, very simple word, we use it all the time. We never stop to think about what it means, but it means a lot of things. A pulpit of wood means that it's made out of. A a book of Mark could be a book that I own. It could be a book that I've written. Uh, It could be a book that is about me. None of those that I'm aware of. But it's hypothetically possible. Uh, Of can mean a lot of different things. Uh, And here, when, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, that of means that results in, that gives. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, we could translate it, I am the bread that gives life. If we go to verse uh, 33, for example, uh, Jesus says it very clearly there. Um, For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven. And as we're going to see, Jesus is the bread that comes down from heaven. And that gives life to the world. And of course, from our previous series on John 1, 1 to 18, we know that that's the Word. The Word is the life, and the Word is the, is the life for all who are in the world. And so here we see that of means the bread that gives life. But in what sense? Well, not, Jesus is not talking about temporal life. When he says, I am the bread that gives life, he is not talking about the fact that our hearts are beating right now, that our lungs are taking in and giving off oxygen and carbon dioxide. Now, as we saw from John 1, that is true. Jesus is the source of physical life and temporal life. But in this text, that's not what Jesus is talking about when he says he's the bread that gives life. Um, Go to verse 26. In verse 26, that's what the, the Jews of Jesus' day were thinking. Uh, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves. See, you're thinking in temporal terms. You're thinking about just physical life. You came to me because I gave you food for your stomach that gives you life for your body. Jesus goes on in verse 20 to say, do not work for food that spoils. That is, you know, for the the meat that, if not refrigerated, is going to go bad. For the milk, if it gets too warm, is going to sour. Do not work for food that spoils. Now, here's a real, to get off the subject for a minute, which I do on occasion. This is a great example of how we can't take a text out of its context, right? Because if we isolate this, we would all quit our jobs because why are you doing your job? You're doing your job to make money so that you can put food on the table. But Jesus said, do not work for food that spoils. So quit working for food that spoils, right? Obviously, that's, that's to take this verse out of its context, But the, the, the people in Jesus' day were just kind of, for whatever reason at this moment, they're locked into thinking about the temporal world and food for their stomachs. And so even after Jesus goes on and teaches them many things, if we drop down to verse 32, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, 
It is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down. And they said in verse 34, oh man, the the bread that gives life? Sir, always give us this kind of bread. They're still thinking that Jesus is talking about bread for their stomachs that gives life to their bodies. Elsewhere, in, a, in another gospel, uh, Jesus said, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world but lose their soul? Now, gaining the world is not a bad thing. Having a home, wearing clothes, eating food, driving cars. God made the world in the beginning good, 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 very good. And he never turned his back on the creation. But there is this powerful tendency in our hearts to get so caught up and drawn into that world of the physical that we forget that there's another whole world all around us and in particular waiting for us. And so... While clearly the Bible affirms the goodness of this temporal world, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, that is not what he's talking about. He talks about it elsewhere, but that is not what he's talking about here. And he's warning us about our priorities and not to fall into the trap of focusing exclusively on that which is temporal, because it is passing away. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's not referring to temporal life. He's referring to eternal life. I've told you many times how Hebrew mothers taught their kids to repeat stuff so that people would get the point. Well, did you notice the repetition of eternal life? In case it slipped by you, let me remind you. Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Verse 40, everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. Verse 47, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Verse 51, whoever eats this bread will live forever. Verse 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Verse 58, whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Mary did a good job. She was a Hebrew mother who taught her son, if you want to get your point across, repeat it. Because people have a tendency not to hear it the first time you tell them. And not only is this there an emphasis on eternal life, but there's another emphasis running through this text, and it's on the resurrection from the dead. Not as dramatic, but it's there. Verse 39, Jesus says, I will raise them up on the last day. Verse 40, and I will raise them up at the last day. Verse 44, and I will raise them up at the last day. Verse 54, and I will raise them up at the last day. Now, it's so easy to get things out of balance in life. To get good things out of balance. I've told you that I was raised in a tradition that basically said, do you have troubles today? It will be better in heaven. 
without any hope that it'll be better now. But it's easy to go to the other extreme and to say, do you have troubles today? I can fix those now. And we lose perspective on the fact that the real and ultimate solution is not in this life, but it's in the life to come. So which is it? Do we focus on solutions now or the grand solution to come? And the Bible says, yes. But we have to remember that ultimately, ultimately we're on a pilgrimage to the heavenly city. Not to a bigger house here but to a bigger house there, Uh, not to just better here, as good as that might be, but to perfection there, to eternal life, being raised up at the last day. And so Jesus comes to you this morning through the preaching of his word and through the celebration of the sacraments, and he says to you, I am the bread of life. Don't be fooled by everything you hear in your culture around you that tells you that this is it and there's nothing after this. I am the bread of life. I am the bread that gives. I'm not talking here about temporal life. That's for another day, says Jesus. I'm talking about the fact that I am the one that brings you life eternal and I will raise you up on the last day. And so you always, no matter, no matter how deep the valley, no matter how dark the nights, you have to always remember that uh, there is that great getting up morning, and in that great getting up morning, you will fare well. I will raise you up on the last day. Never lose sight of your destiny. I am the bread of life. And Jesus goes on then to say also, I am the bread that came down from heaven. Now, when he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven, he is saying, I am not symbolic bread. Uh, I am not symbolic bread. Uh, Symbols. We have a, a cross here. The cross is a symbol of Christianity. If you go by a building and you see a cross on the building, in one way or another, Christian things go on in that building. The cross is a symbol of Christianity. The cross is not Christianity. That piece of wood up there is not Christianity. It's not the real thing. It's just a symbol. And by definition, symbols point you to some other reality. And so Jesus, when he says, I am the bread that came down from heaven, is saying to you, I am not a symbol. I'm not talking about my being a symbol pointing you in some other direction, like the manna in the wilderness. Multiple times Jesus refers to the manna in the wilderness. Uh, when, When Israel came out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, they're living in the wilderness, uh, they need food. And so God provides them with miraculous food that they had never seen before. And so they said, mana, well, which sounds in Hebrew like, what's this? Uh, manna in the wilderness. God's miraculous provision. Nonetheless, it was real, physical, literal food that they ate 
so that they could experience temporal life. In verse 31, they said, uh, basically, you say that you have something to give to us. Our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness. Can you top that? What do you have to give us that's anything like the manna that, that they ate? And verse 31 says that that manna was bread that came down from heaven. So they're thinking bread that comes down from heaven is manna, it's physical, it's, it's literal, it's going to give us temporal life. And in verse 49, Jesus says, yes, your, your ancestors ate manna, and what happened next? They died, you see. They ate manna, and then they died. So that's not the kind of manna that I'm talking to you about. That's not the kind of bread that I am talking you, to you about. You see, folks, that manna was not pointing to itself. That manna wasn't just saying, if you eat this, you'll live in the full sense of that language. That manna was intended to be a symbol. You just got caught up focused on the manna, and you didn't realize that that manna was to point you to some other reality. The the manna wasn't real. It was only a symbol of another reality. And Jesus says, I am that reality. Uh, Go to verse 50. In verse 50 of our text... Verse 49, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is, here, and I don't know, maybe Jesus was doing this. Here, that's certainly what he means. Here is the bread that comes down from heaven. Not the manna, I'm not talking about the manna now, that's the symbol. Here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. They ate that stuff and died I am offering you something that you can eat and not die but live. So they said, oh, Moses gave us the manna. Can you top that? And Jesus says, I sure can. Because the manna eaten by Moses still resulted in death. But the manna that I am, that I can give to you, you'll eat that and you'll never die. What do you want? Moses' manna and death or my manna and life? And then Jesus says... I am the living bread. Now, he's not talking about the fact that, you know, bread has yeast in it and yeast is alive and it grows. He's not talking about some kind of miraculous bread that can like get up and walk away because it's living. Living bread means bread that gives life. Just like in the Old Testament, living water. It's not like the water somehow alive. It's water that gives life. Jesus says, I am the bread that gives life that came down from heaven. So you say, when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, and I am the bread that came down from heaven, it's just two different windows on the same reality. Because Jesus says, the bread that comes down from heaven is the bread that gives life. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. So when Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven, he's really giving them a Bible lesson on how to read the Old Testament. 
And he's saying when you read that Old Testament story about the manna, yes, you do have to understand what God was doing for their bodies, but you've got to understand that when God was feeding their bodies with the manna, he wanted to feed their souls as well. He wanted to nourish them unto eternal life. He wanted them to see that, that this manna was just pointing to another reality of God's provision that ultimately would come in the person of Jesus. So Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven, not that symbolic manna. And we can certainly apply this to the Lord's Supper, right? The bread of the Lord's Supper. Now, momentarily, we are actually going to eat physical bread and we're going to drink physical wine. But we've got to realize that this is intended, like the manna, to point to another reality. To point to Christ's body broken. To point to Christ's blood shed on the cross. Now, there are different understandings of what is going on uh, in the Lord's Supper, in the broader Christian tradition. In the Roman Catholic tradition, when the Bible says, when Jesus says, this is my body, Roman Catholic theology takes that literally, that that this actually becomes the body and blood of Christ. Jesus says, you have to, in our text, you have to eat my flesh. But what's Jesus' broader point through this whole context? One of his most foundational points is, folks, don't make the mistake of taking this language Literally. See, that's what the Jews in Jesus' day were doing. They were taking this language literally about food for the body when Jesus says, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Now, you see, Presbyterians often, I think, happen to be in the middle of things. In in a Baptist tradition, there's really no presence of, of Christ here. This is just a memorial. In a Roman Catholic tradition, this is the presence of Christ physically, corporally. In a Presbyterian tradition, you see, we're not like Baptists. I'm not here to down other people, but I'm just telling you who we are. We're not like Baptists who say there's no presence. We're not like Roman Catholics who say there's a physical presence. Unlike Baptists, we say there is a real presence of Christ here. So on that, we're like the Roman Catholics. But the the real presence is not a physical presence. It's a spiritual presence. But see, when I say spiritual, don't think hocus-pocus, not real. Spiritual is real, especially if you spell it with a capital S. The real presence of Christ here mediated to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, feeding, really, truly feeding, not physically, but really, truly feeding on Christ's broken body and his blood shed. Uh, Jesus says, I am the bread that came down from heaven. I'm not talking about symbolic bread. I'm talking about the true bread from heaven. In verse 32, if we can get back there. 
Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. That is Jesus himself. And as we drop down to verse 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven. See, he's the bread that comes down from heaven. And why did he come down from heaven? I have come down from heaven not to do my will but to do the will of him who sent me. And Jesus does his, the Father's will in at least two ways. Theologically, we speak of Jesus' active obedience. And what we mean by that is that Jesus kept the law of God for you perfectly. He actively obeyed the Father's will for you. And we speak of Christ's passive obedience. That is, where he, phys- he, he, he submitted himself to the Father's will, to crucifixion, and to death on the cross. And, and which do we need for our salvation? Yes. We, we, need, we need the active and the passive. Again, when, when I grew up, I grew up in a tradition, and the only thing I ever heard was that Jesus died to take away your sins. That's wonderful. That's true. Jesus did die to take away my sins. But if the only thing Jesus did was take away my sins, then my spiritual bank account is still zero. I am broke, folks. And you can't be broke and enter the presence of a wealthy, 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 wealthy Heavenly Father. No, you need to have wealth in your bank account. And where does that wealth come from? It comes from the active obedience of Christ. So you see, when the Father looks at you today, He doesn't see somebody who is broke. That is to say, oh, there's somebody who has not sinned. He also sees somebody whose life is absolutely filled to overflowing with obedience to the law. Not yours, but the obedience of Christ that has been given to you. You see, he came to do the Father's will, to obey the law, and then to submit himself to death. What a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. No wonder somebody penned that hymn. Well, let me conclude with just one comment. Jesus talks about eating his flesh, drinking his blood. By the way, by the time of like the second century, uh, Romans were accusing the Christians of being cannibals because of this language that is used in the Bible and in church liturgy. So what does it mean in the supper to eat the body of Christ? What does it mean Because this text is not just talking about the Lord's Supper. It's talking about how we live out our day-to-day, moment-by-moment existence. Daily, moment-by-moment, we have to be feeding on Christ. What does it mean to eat? It's a metaphor, right? Not to be taken literally. Eating, in this text, is a metaphor for believing. How do we know that? Hebrew mothers taught their kids to repeat their point. Verse 29, Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe. Verse 30, So they asked him, What sign then will you give to us that we may see it and 
believe. Verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes. Verse 36, but as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. Verse 40, for my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes. Verse 47, very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Now often as I celebrate the Lord's Supper and I distribute the bread or I distribute the cup, you may hear me say, the body of Christ broken for you, feast in your hearts by faith. The blood of Christ shed for you, feast in your hearts by faith. You see, There really is something going on when we celebrate the supper. You really have a wonderful opportunity to receive in the celebration of the supper the grace that you need for the next six days. Uh, So we're not like those who say nothing is really specially happening except our remembering. On the other hand, we're not saying that this grace comes to you automatically. It really does come to you, but you have to believe. You've got to believe that as food nourishes the body, these elements nourish your soul. Trust me, there is not enough carbohydrate or sugar in what you're going to take in to do you much good. Unless you have faith. If you believe that this is the body of Christ and the blood of Christ as a big meal this afternoon, not a wafer and a thimble of juice, but as a big meal will nourish your body. So by His Word and Spirit, Christ will nourish your soul unto eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this Word. Uh, so rich, we pray that you would take these few ideas from it and that you would strengthen our faith that not only in the celebration of the supper but uh, throughout the six days that lie ahead and in fact throughout all of our days uh, we might feed on Christ and find in him all that we need for this life and for the life to come. We pray in his name. Amen.